On this episode of Hit the Deck, we go toe-to-toe with a YouTube pro, a ball hockey broadcaster extraordinaire. This is all a Daniel Wilson production. Yeah, every single thing, the uh, video, the play-by-play, the editing, that's all me. And the hockey scene is sizzling in Painesville. We'll get into a little bit more of Painesville Deck Hockey and what it's all about. They are holding their Summer Sizzler. Is the Summer Sizzler actually being held at a Sizzler? Plus, what does it take to make a mascot? You probably don't want to know. So, Pacho was basically created with very little actual practical knowledge of hockey. Which explains <laughs> don't a lot. say. All this and more coming up on this episode of Hit the Deck. Game off! Welcome to episode 140 of the Hit the Deck podcast, where we talk deck hockey, street hockey, ball hockey, it's hockey in sneakers. And we have got quite a podcast for you this week. Yes, I know we had quite a podcast for you a couple of weeks ago. Yes, I know we had quite a podcast for you last week. But I tell you, dear listener, you may not believe me, but you should believe me. Would I lie to you? I think not. We have quite a podcast for you this week, and I will tell you exactly how much of a podcast we have, or at least I will hint at it with tonight's starting lineup. So, for tonight's starting lineup, in goal, as ever, I am number 35, your American rhino, Gary McComiskey. And, of course, my stalwart co-host. On defense, number four, I'm James Sejazi, and I cannot believe we finally have the guest of all guests with us tonight. Number 25, goaltender and voice of the RSHL, Daniel Wilson. Welcome to the podcast, Daniel. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. We are honored to have you. Yes, Daniel. Yes, yes, yes. We finally got him, James. He's here. He's here. He's on the podcast. He is within our grasp. Beyond thrilled. It was worth the wait. How are you? I didn't ask you. How are you, James? I'm glad you didn't ask me. How are you? Uh, all right. Oh, that back and forth that we have here at the podcast. Those witty banters that we have back and forth. That's quality radio. I'm well, all right. If I had a good answer, I'd give one to you, but I'd rather stay positive and not give you an answer. So I do. I am by and large all right. I do want to apologize to you, listener, because I am a little bit under the weather. So if my voice sounds a little rough and or sick, it is because I am feeling a little rough and or sick. So, you know. Full disclosure, I I just wanted to put that out there so you weren't confused by, you know, me sounding different than usual. So that's 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 where I am. Hey, James, I've got news for you that you may not believe based on conversations that we've had recently. I actually watched a period of game seven of the finals. Oh, wow. I watched the second period of, of, of the finals, which which included a pretty nifty save. I have to say. Yeah, Jordan Bennington just stood on his head in Game 7, and he single-handedly won that Stanley Cup for the St. Louis Blues. I was rooting for the Boston Bruins, I'll be honest with you. Don't understand why the home teams are snake-bitten the last few Stanley Cup Game 7s. I believe the Rangers may have been the last home team to win Game 7 in the Stanley Cup Final, by the way. Wow. So, yeah, that, that 
going on the 25th anniversary of that Stanley Cup, by the way, to say again. But Tuka Rask in Game 6 stood on his head and stole that game to force Game 7. But really extraordinary congratulations to the St. Louis Blues. And the Boston Bruins, too, was an excellent series, hard-fought, back and forth. St. Louis came back from many uh, just physically and, and mentally, and even having a very special fan that I think also helped them get over the top. So was it 52 gritty? years... No, it was not gritty. Okay. It was an adorable young lady named Layla. And uh, just really well done by the NHL and the Blues and the Bruins as well. But uh, congratulations to the Blues fans. They've been waiting for this a long time. 52 years. Wasn't 54 years like a certain Broadway blue shirt. But anyway... Congratulations, both teams, and, uh, you know, Lord Stanley's hanging out in St. Louis for the first time. You know, James, I have to admit, going into the game, I didn't have any rooting interest, but by the end of the, I was going to say game, period, by the end of the period that I watched, I have to admit, I was on the other side of that. I was rooting for St. Louis, and I'll tell you why. Because, you know, Boston, original six, respectable team, taking nothing away from them, but it's not 2003, you know what? They've had plenty of championships to tide them <laughs> over in the last 15 years. You know, so I would say, plus St. Louis is a feel-good story. So I was rooting for them. And, you know, I was happy for their rookie goalie. I was happy for the fans who, you know, waited all that time for a cup. I was just, you know, all around. I think I think I'm pleased with the result. Oh, yeah. I mean, again, all due respect for, for the Boston fans as well. So that, that's totally fair and, and history against them. They overcame everything. Really quite extraordinary. An excellent series and well-deserved. Crazy season for St. Louis, too, where I believe in January they were the worst team in the NHL. Mm. And then now they are Stanley Cup champions. So it just goes to show you just can't give up. Keep going. And well-deserved. I also really like the fact that not only did their home arena have sellouts of fans watching the game because obviously game seven was in Boston, but Bush stadium as well. The baseball stadium was filled with all St. Louis blues fans watching game seven, which I thought was an awesome touch and very well done. You know, James, that worst to first story that you just talked about seems to me that there's another team that you and I are fond of that is celebrating the 50th anniversary of a very similar accomplishment to that. Ah, yes, you're right. Very good point. So it just goes to show you're never out of it until you are out of it. The beauty of sports. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, not if you're the team that was supposed to win and choked at the end, but yes, generally speaking, that is a very exciting outcome. Yeah, nobody picked. I mean, personally for me, I I didn't pick St. Louis or Boston to make the final. Um, I thought it was going to be Tampa Bay and Calgary. So there you go. Yeah. You know what else is exciting, James? The guest that we have on the podcast tonight. And I think we've waited so long to get him on this show that I think it would be criminal to keep him waiting anymore. Is there any earthly good reason why we should delay any further? We'll just do the on deck and get going. All right. Well then, James, if you don't mind, I'm going to put it on you. Can you please tell us, sir, what is on deck for this podcast? Will do, sir. Thank you, thank you. Broadcasting brother, can it be? Is this really happening? The one and only Mr. Daniel Wilson is here at Hit the Deck. Sit back and let's listen to how webcasting ball hockey is done and growing pains. In another amazing HTD twist, the American Rhino and I were all set with talking up a great article about deck hockey in Painesville, Ohio, 
on this very podcast. During the week, Mr. Neil Conway, the man behind Painesville Deck Hockey, contacted us to promote the Summer Sizzler. You just can't deny the bond of Deck Hockey family. And that's what's on deck. Yeah, thank you, James. You're welcome, sir. That's some, that, that, that Painesville Deck Hockey thing, that's some, like, Kreskin stuff going on there, or that bit that Johnny Carson used to do when he did the thing where he Karnak. predicted the thing. Karnak, yes. Yes, right, that. Karnak, not to be confused with Karnov, which was a Nintendo game where, like, some Russian guy would go around beating up people. I never finished that game. I don't actually know what the object of said game was, but I'm pretty sure it had nothing to do with deck hockey. Sounds like my neighborhood. <laughs> okay, well, fantastic. <laughs> um, all right, yeah, good. I, I have, wow, I got nothing for that. That's okay. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of Daniel Wilson, <laughs> yeah save us please uh, American Red. yeah i don't know if that's possible i really don't but uh speaking of daniel wilson yeah that's a transition if you're not aware of who daniel wilson is i mean you're going to be because we're going to have a conversation with him shortly and and we will make sure that by the end of it you know who daniel wilson is but just a little primer or primer as the English might say, for reasons that escape me. Just so if you've listened to the podcast for any length of time, you probably stumbled across one of our interviews with Mr. Kevin Frost, who is the proprietor of the RSHL, the Raleigh Street Hockey League. And we have spoken with him about Mr. Daniel Wilson. And Daniel Wilson is the guy who videotapes and does play-by-play for all the big games in the RSHL and puts them up on their YouTube channel. So we have been wanting to get Daniel on this podcast for a while and it's finally happening and I'm not going to put this off any longer. So Daniel Wilson, welcome, sir, to hit the deck at long last. Yeah, and we really appreciate the fact that you juggled your schedule to finally make it on the podcast. We've been trying for a long time to have Mr. Wilson on and thanks to him, he was able to make it happen. So thank you so very much, Daniel. I heard him calling out on me when he had Kevin Frost, um, <laughs> the previous edition. And I was like, oh, you want to talk trash to me? Oh, let's go then. That's true. I did call you out. <laughs> Speaking of Daniel Wilson, when are we going to get him on the podcast? I don't know. He's a, he's a busy man. He's always editing and stuff. You got to lock him down. He's just lazy. There's well, a great way to get him on the podcast. Yeah, you yeah, lazy yeah. jerk. Just get on the podcast. Call, <laughs> call him up. That'll work. Yeah. It worked. So, you know, I, I have no shame. We promise to be more polite, though, tonight. Seriously, <laughs> though, this has been a long time coming. So, at last, we meet for the first time for the last time. Yeah. But uh, we, are, we are really very happy to have finally made this happen. So, all right. Enough of this mutual admiration society. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's start interviewing, yes? Okay, so I, I will take that deafening silence as assent. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, I, I really, honestly, I don't even know where to begin. I guess, first and foremost, I want to echo what James said, Daniel, and that is basically to thank you for setting aside time in your busy RSHL broadcasting schedule 
to say nothing of your playing and actual like work life outside of that to actually make the time and be on the podcast with us. We know you're a very busy man and we are respective and appreciative of your time. Uh, it is no problem at all. I mean, I know we've been fighting to do this for the past month or so. It's been a mix of real life work and of course, producing videos uh, for the RSHL. Um, I have already completed one final that's been uploaded yesterday and I'm currently working on two more for the end of our spring season and we will have our summer season coming up very soon so keep an eye out for that yeah and the last bit of your work that I have personally watched was the Ironman tournament which thankfully we were fortunate enough to have Kevin Frost from the RSHL friend of the podcast on to talk about and we are also grateful to him for introducing you to us and so for I guess you know, I, I guess the big question here is how did you get started doing this? I mean, it's it's by no means something that is commonplace with ball hockey. I mean, you know, amateur hockey, whatever. But for, for something like ball hockey, you don't see a lot of this. You are one of the very few who goes to all the trouble of not only videotaping it and you know, calling the play-by-play simultaneously, but also editing it and posting it. And you're, you are a one-man production crew. So how did you come to do this? Well, this really started off as an idea that I had about four and a half years ago. And at the time, I was playing pickup games and was also scorekeeping uh, the league games. I saw that the RSHL had a YouTube channel that at the time only had a few video clips of the games that they had. So I talked to Kevin and I told him, you know, you could really do something with this channel. So I suggested that we record the finals for all three divisions during the fall 2014 season. So I record all of them, did the editing, which at the time was still messing around to see what I could do with the program. And so you could say that this was the pilot episode of the RSHL. So I sent them all off for Kevin to upload. Now, originally, this was only going to be like a finals thing, something to reward both teams. So instead, I decided, why not do it every weekend to record one game just so that everyone gets a chance? And so I passed it off to Kevin and he approved it. And as time went on, players uh, were coming up to me and giving me these great comments and how they love the production of these games. And ever since then, it's just become a normal thing. So I know you use a three camera setup whenever possible for your broadcast. Is that what you did from the beginning or is that something that evolved over time? Well, when we first started, we only had one camera and that was a Sony Handycam, which is the camera I still use today, which is a very good, cheap camera. The audio is good. It's very user-friendly for those that are not tech-savvy with camera equipment. We did get someone else, Kevin's teammate, Keith Meister, he had a GoPro, which he would let me borrow, and I would set up on one of the two ends of the rink. So at the time, we had the main camera, and then we had one side of the rink. But of course, there were times where he was not available to get the GoPro over here. So to make life easier, I actually bought a GoPro of my own. And so we would have my camera and Keith's camera 
So now we had two GoPros on each side of the ring. So now you would see both sides. Eventually, the league did provide me with my own second camera. So uh, it's technically theirs, but I have two of my own to work with. So I have full control of the cameras now. Yeah, with the tablet showing the GoPro feed, I I didn't even know they could do that. I'm not a big GoPro guy by trade. And, you know, Kevin actually mentioned that you did that on a previous podcast I'm curious, what kind of GoPros do you use? What model? I use the GoPro Heroes, and this is one of their earlier models. Uh, These are GoPros that have been here for quite a few years, and they're recently advertising the uh, Hero 5, if I'm correct on what model they're advertising now. So these are not the most up-to-date ones, but they absolutely do the job. I recently picked up some Hero 3 Pluses, I think, and I've had some ups and downs with power issues and freezing issues is that just kind of the nature of the beast with gopros or did i just get a bad model i could feel your pain because i've had the same problems as well there are some instances where i turn it on and after a few seconds it just shuts down by itself what i usually do is the big thing is to make sure that your gopros are up to date with their firmware and that is uh, to take their memory card go to the gopro website and Just download the newest firmware and just put it back on your camera and it'll update. Good advice. Thank you. So now it is what it has become to be with the main camera in the penalty box and the two GoPros behind both of the nets. We at first um, tried doing the GoPros from the corners, but we figured that it would be best to put it behind the net as to give everyone the best view, uh, try to analyze what everyone is doing on their offensive defense. So we just stuck with the behind the camera as opposed to the corners. Yeah, I will say watching the behind the net shots from the GoPros, it is nice to be able to see exactly when and how the puck crosses the goal line. That's something that you aren't always able to tell from a a front view. Yeah, as a matter of fact, it really does give us an advantage, not just for the teams, but for the officials as well. If you look at one of our more recent games, we recently had some controversy with a playoff game, and that was with Reapers and Ice Holes in the B division. Just a spoiler alert for anyone that's still yet to see that, but what happened was that the Reapers thought they had scored a goal, And originally the goal was called, but then one of the ISO players took the ball and actually convinced the official that it did not cross the line. So they wave it off. But when I look at it post-production and zoom in, we can see that the ball actually did cross the line entirely. So this could be something that that, uh, not only helps the teams, but also officials for when they officiate games to say, okay, so this is a mistake I made. I'll watch out for that next time. So, okay, this, this, I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't know about this specific incident, but I did on a previous podcast, ask Kevin if something like this ever comes up and if it's ever an issue. So, What's the reaction from the team afterwards that sees that they were in fact vindicated, but since the game has already been played and over, there's nothing they can do about it? Well, that's one of the disadvantages of not having a live replay right then and there. 
Yeah, it, it's uh, something that many leagues deal with because they don't have the same system that a lot of big leagues do. So the best that they, they can do is just move on from it. That's pretty much the only thing you can do. And I mean, I can understand the team's frustration when they see that a call did not go their way when it should have. But really, there's not much you could do because if the ref can't see that, then there's really not much you can do. So like I said, the best thing you could do is just move on from it. If I had actual live replay and somehow implement it into the league, that would be great. But unfortunately, we're not quite there yet. You would need. Yeah, some you can't kind of, just call Toronto. Yeah, you need some <laughs> kind of replay judge to be sitting there next to you. Yeah, I, I wish. <laughs> but that, to your credit, though, which, which again, what Gary and I really appreciate this is that you went so far as to zoom in and to go back and and analyze the play and and show it as opposed to just brushing it over and pretend it never happened. So. To your credit and to the RSHL, I think that's fantastic. Yes, Gary and I having been victimized by a play that has gone against us, but at least that is something that you can look back on and show again, and this is what happened. And and I appreciate that too, that for the referees, hopefully they could have a different angle or prevent that mistake from happening. But again, you know, it's the nature of deck hockey. It's not perfect. But the fact that you go back and show it is a great learning tool. And I think that's something that all the players would appreciate. Yeah, it definitely is. The reason why I go back and zoom in on those plays is because people want these questions answered. They want to know, was it the right call? Should that goal have stood? Should it should it have been waved off? Should there have been a penalty on the play? Should a penalty have even been called? So I, I really just slow those down, zoom in, just to really show if it was really the correct call and just leave it out for everyone to state their opinion. Now, Daniel, you do the play-by-play for these games during the game as it's actually being played, correct? That is correct. So do you, in a, in a situation like this, do you ever go back and kind of insert commentary appropriate to this situation you know analysis or anything like that or is it just handled visually the videos that i do everything is just real time very rarely do i have to go back and actually do additional commentary everything that you see on the video everything you hear it's unscripted everything is what i see i want everyone to get the raw organic commentary coming from me if there is something that i did miss i'll make a note of it in post-production and just let everyone know hey i messed up on this so just so you know that's uh the correction that i am putting in so when you do record the games live in the arena you seem usually very knowledgeable about who the players are and who everybody is on both teams and you're able to follow things very well. Do you have rosters in front of you or do you just know everybody well enough by sight to know who's who? Or how do you have that information at your fingertips while you're calling a game and filming it? Well, a lot of the players that we have in the league, I know very well. I have known these players for quite a few years, some of them even back to when I first joined the league back in 2013. Others, I I do have a roster right next to me. Uh, We have a paper roster on the scorekeeper's table, 
And I also have a roster on my tablet, which I actually get directly from the RSHL website. And I just take a screenshot of it. And it's really helpful to me as well, because it also lists all the statistics of everyone else. So if there's someone that I'm not familiar with, I'll usually go to the scorekeeper and say, who's this? Because often the roster on the website is not always up to date. So they'll make a note of it and I'll uh, just put it on. on my notes for during the game, and that's pretty much uh, what it is. It sounds like there's a lot of preparation that's involved in that, and I'm sure there's a lot of preparation involved in the whole process. Can you give us an idea of exactly how much work from start to finish goes into broadcasting one of these games and, and kind of give us an overview of what is involved in that? Well, it first starts off with the camera setup, and that usually takes no more than five minutes because it's just a matter of just making sure that the cameras are charged up, which I do at home, by the way, erasing all the memory cards uh, from the last game, make sure it's all cleared so that it has room for everything, and then just clip it to the glass, uh, which... um. What I like about these GoPros is that they are Bluetooth equipped, so I can put an app on my phone and I can actually see a preview of the camera shot so I can make adjustments as needed and just try to make sure it's not crooked. There is one end of the rink where uh, there's like the safety net. One Mm. end has the safety net behind the glass and the other, for some reason, has it in front. So I have to put the camera through the net Mm. and sometimes on the warm-ups a shot will go high and it'll knock my camera sideways so Mm. i have to deal with it in post-production but yet that that usually does not last any more than five minutes the preview you'll see my pre-game analysis which usually takes about uh, two minutes to do but analyzing the teams actually can take a process of like maybe a few weeks if it's a new team or if they did major changes to their lineup which if you see my breakdowns it always lists the record of the team what player which i think will make an impact on the game and it also lists my favorite part of it the strengths and weaknesses of the team which this is why i tell every team that the, these are my personal analysis and to use this as a learning tool so i basically analyze one of their games if i need to do another game to analyze then i'll do that so it'll pretty much list what they're good at what they need to improve on and again it's my personal analysis and it will change over time and the games itself is about a total of 42 minutes um, that's not including overtime and breaks and then post game is only one minute long and same thing it's just a recap of the game yeah that's something that i appreciate too among the many many things that you do all by yourself is like you said a lot of these players are your friends or, or you know them and, and things of that nature so i really appreciate and i'm sure gary does as well and and the fan watching these great productions that you can be that honest and professional and you know these people. So that that makes it a little bit different because I'm sure a lot of people may have egos or maybe not want to hear whatever, but being that objective and that professional, especially when you're among these guys, maybe even some of them are your teammates because you do play goal, and we'll get to that a little later in the conversation as well. But that's really quite impressive and quite brave of you. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty honest in what I, what I see. I mean, I want to see everyone of these guys succeed. And I I really do. And it's not always going to be that way. I mean, we have a C division team, which is currently in a rebuild phase and has gone without a win this season. And there are players that will have, like you said, ego, but I don't want to go to that level. I'm one of those guys that likes to keep neutral at all times. I mean, I don't want to be, uh, as I told Kevin once, I don't want to be another Jack Edwards. (laughs) (laughs) 
But yeah, but that's the thing. It's you're honest and it's objective. And I think when it's all said and done, you'd appreciate that. You know, Gary and I are, are teammates when we play deck hockey and we're always looking to one another for improvement or whatever the case is. And constructive criticism is always should be welcomed if you're playing any kind of game because you do need to improve. At least we do as uh, non-professionals, but even professionals as well. That's why you have coaches and so on and so forth. So that's really cool. And um, I think overall, uh, you know, keep it up. And uh, one of the, my favorite parts of your uh, of your production are the analyses and things. So it just makes it a little bit more exciting, especially for someone like I am. I'm not that familiar with the RSHL. So it gets me ready and prepped and excited for the game that's about to come up. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it just comes from experience in the league. Usually the, the toughest wants to do are the ones that are new to the league and i was told that we were going to get a new team for the c division which we thought they were going to be ready for the spring season but uh, they needed um a season off just to prepare a little more but yeah when when there's a new team coming to the league those are the tough ones that because i need to watch at least one or two of their games just so i know what is this team bringing and what can i tell everyone about them because this is a clean slate and I know nothing about them. But usually one or two games is enough to get me an idea of what they're doing and just to see uh, if any, if they can bring it to the top. Yeah, well, again, that's what the professionals do, the NHLers and, and even Olympics and stuff like that. But they have footage to watch and they have seasons of footage to watch. You have to do everything all by yourself. And if there is footage to watch, too, for a deck hockey is, is pretty impressive as it is. But that's what's so remarkable, that you really put that much effort and care into it. And it really shows with the productions that you put out there. And uh, anybody that's not familiar, please go check out RaleighStreetHockey.com and also their YouTube channel, which is filled with hours and hours of excellent work by Daniel Wilson and great deck hockey play, too, because the league is, is it's fun to watch and we could get into tournaments as well that you guys do. And it just all comes full circle. This is what deck hockey is all about. And this is one of the reasons why we waited so long to have you on and, and it's so appreciated that you were able to join us tonight. Yeah, no problem at all. So we kind of scratched the surface on this, but can you even estimate how long does it take to record a game, to edit it, if need be, add the more play-by-play -play or some explanation, uh, do the pre and post game, and then after all of that, uploaded to your YouTube channel? Does it take days, hours? How, how, did, how long does that take? The whole process takes about, um, on an average week, about four or five days. And wow. uh, that's, that's mainly because not all of my time is just dedicated to editing because I have other stuff I got to do. Right. But the actual recording session lasts typically just over an hour, as is a typical game. The editing process takes about, in grand total, four to five hours. And most of that work is just making sure that the cameras are synced up with each other and to switch to a different camera shot every so often. Yeah, that's really, I think, what separates you from anything else that I've seen on uh, YouTube or anywhere else. It's comparative to the professionals on uh, NBC and so on. How you seamlessly follow the action and cut from angle to angle where you're going from side to side then you like you said you go from one of the gopros behind each goal it's seamless it flows so well and 
I forget I'm watching ball hockey on the internet. I, I think I'm watching, you know, at the recording of this podcast, the Stanley Cup Finals just ended. It's really that great. Yeah, and uh, congratulations to the St. Louis Blues, by the way. 52 mm. years, they finally get a cup. But yeah, my main thing is to uh, make sure that the play is within range at all times. Even when I'm not behind the camera, I tell whoever's behind the camera to make sure that the camera is pointed to the play at all times. And if you can't get into one of the corners, uh, don't worry, the GoPro will take care of that for you. Hey, I'm curious, Daniel. What program do you use to edit these games? I use a CyberLink Director, and it's one that I had already pre-installed on my computer when I first had. It was a different laptop uh, back then, but it was pre-installed, and I decided to mess with it a little bit. And I figured that there was quite a bit that I could use with the uh, different effects with the text. So I figured this can be a good program for me to use. It's the one that I'm most familiar with. You know, I tried a little bit of stuff with Cyberlink Director way, way, way back. I had a similar situation where it was pre-installed on a computer that I bought. From what I remember, it's a pretty basic program. How do you come up with the scoreboard and the countdown clock and all that stuff with that program? The text, what I usually do is that uh, I have a certain font style that I, I use. And really the only changes that I make them is either with the size or to change the colors to match uh, the team colors. That clock that you see on the top of the screen is actually a different video in itself. Mm. What I do is that it's actually a whole video with just a clock on it. And what I do is that I shrink it down and make sure it's centered up on the top of the screen and then it just counts down if there's a stoppage i take a screenshot of that and make a copy of that and then just put it there and then what you see is a picture of that clock brilliant <laughs> yeah that that's amazing thank you thank you for that i mean uh, thank you for that inside deck ball that you shared with us there <laughs> so do you have a target window for when you want these things to be up do you have like a set day that they go up weekly or, you know, a set duration from when the games are filmed to when they're uploaded? I usually try to aim for like a Thursday or at the very latest Friday upload. Basically, the main thing is that I want all these games to be uploaded within that particular week just so that everyone stays up to date so that the teams can watch the video prep for the next game. So, um... I, I mean, it's a pretty average uh, turnaround time, but sometimes I'll get it up a little earlier if I'm particularly invested in that particular video. And all of this stuff is just you. Like you, you know, soup to nuts. This is all a Daniel Wilson production. Yeah, every single thing, the uh, video, the play-by-play, -play, the editing, that's all me. So w that being the case, I have a follow-up question. You mentioned times when somebody else is manning the camera, and you also mentioned that you are a player yourself. What do you do when you are playing in the game that you have decided to cover for that, that particular instance? One of two instances can come up. One is that I can actually do play-by-play -play during the editing phase, which once I complete all the editing of the video, I go back to the beginning and I take my microphone and just do a complete play-by-play -play from start to finish without interruption. Again, I want to keep that raw organic feel 
whenever I'm commentating. The other thing that can happen is uh, what you saw with uh, Logan Staten when he yeah. did the Iron Man tournament, and that's that he does the commentary. And I, I tell that with anyone that goes up to the camera, if you want to do commentary, if you feel comfortable doing it, then give it a try and uh, we can work it in. And I really do appreciate what Logan did uh, when I was busy with either playing my games or in the case of the Iron Man, I was uh, doing work elsewhere at the time. Logan did do a great job. He handled himself quite capably during that Iron Man tournament. But I want to ask you about when you go back and do play-by-play for a game that you're playing in. James and I actually have a little bit of experience. We had a few games that we recorded and then subsequently went back and did play-by-play for that we were in. And I think, you know, a couple of those maybe we lost. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So I have to ask you, Do you find it difficult to be objective? And when you do refer to yourself as a goalie, do you refer to yourself in the third person? Do you refer to yourself as just another player? Do you say, oh, I made a big save. How do you handle that? I do that entirely in the third person. I just play it off just like any other game. I mean, it just, I mean, it feels weird to talk in the third person when you're talking about yourself, but I want to keep it objective just like anyone else. I mean, I make mistakes as well uh, when I'm goaltending, and I want to give a fair analysis for everyone else, and and I I don't want to be tooting my own horn, as I told everybody. Even with one finals game, which uh, I'll talk about a little later, I make a big save, and when I'm trying to figure out who the three stars are, I (laughs) asked my own team, where should everyone be at, because... I mean, as much as I want to be first star, I don't want to look like uh, I'm boosting my ego. So did they, in fact, nominate you as the first star? There were a few, but I ultimately went with the game winner and just put myself on second star. All right. That, you know, that sounds reasonable. But uh, can you be critical or can you be objective? Objective is probably a better way to phrase it. Can you be objective about your performance when you're in that game after the fact? I ask because the uh, the one instance I'm thinking of when James and I did record play-by-play for a game that we got blown out in, and I was in goal, so I felt the brunt of that. Normally when we do play-by-play, and you're much more experienced at it than we are, but normally when James and I do play-by-play, he does the actual play-by-play and I do color because I think he's better at it. James, you don't get to talk. He, he's better at play-by-play, and I'm better at color. But for this particular game, I said, I'm going to do play-by-play for this one because I don't think I can objectively analyze my performance giving up that many goals. Do you struggle at all with that? One of the most important things about being a commentator is to be neutral whenever possible. you got to put your biases aside, which is very difficult for anyone to do, not just in a color commentator setting like one example was last summer when we had the new team the ice holes i was trying to hug the near post and i just let a bad one through and it's like it hit the side of my pad on the inside and just squeaked through and it's like oh i made a mental error i should have closed my legs so i mean as as easy it is is to try to put yourself up at that high i mean you've got to uh admit your mistakes and just uh, move on from there yeah see for me it was the opposite reason i didn't want to do color is because i knew i would completely 
beat myself up uh, even to the point of being unfair and th- that's why i didn't want to do it now i've i've had the times where i've praised myself a couple of times but again i do this on a completely level field again i don't want to put biases on anyone again every team i treat equally I give them their positives, their negatives. As long as everyone is uh, taking this as a learning experience, that's all I want to bring out of this. And that, sir, is why you are a professional. Exactly. That's really putting your money where your mouth is so that you can talk about yourself that way. But as Gary was saying, too, that's another pitfall that could happen is that, you know, Gary and I, we're kind of very hard on ourselves, especially when we're playing. And you kind of may beat yourself up a little bit too much and be too critical of yourself, too. So that's another common pitfall that you seem to not fall into at all. And that's uh, for the average listener out there, for the fan watching these games is I think that's something that should be appreciated because people that haven't tried doing play by play and or color, especially for hockey. It's really, really hard. It definitely is. And I think I have an advantage over some other uh, players that uh, I really have one of the most coolest heads out there. Again, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything, but I I only remember like one time where I I like almost uh, lost it. And that was just on a pickup game. But there were special circumstances at that time, which... um, I had um, recently had a loss in the family at the time, so mm. it really impacted how I played mentally. So it's stuff like that that can really get to you. But the big thing is uh, just try to keep a cool head. If something goes wrong, just move on to the next one. And finally, Daniel, before we let you go, I just have one more question. As you know, the last couple of weeks on the podcast, we have been covering the World Ball Hockey Championships in Cosis. Have you watched any of those games? I actually have not, but uh, with two of our players from the RSHL, Whitley Nichols and Colleen Murphy, actually heading to Slovakia, it's definitely got my attention now. And uh, if you want to see a preview of uh, these two in action, they're actually in the A Division final, which I would recommend watching game number two for that one. All right. And they're on the women's team. That is correct. So, okay. So, fantastic. We've got some hometown heroes in the RSHL to root for. So absolutely fantastic. So as always, we uh, we pull for, you know, our American men and women, but the fact that we've got that connection here just makes it that much more special and that much more important. So fantastic. And uh, we'll, we'll be watching. And Daniel, we want to thank you, especially again, for all the time you've spent here uh, with us on the podcast. Is there anything else that you have for us before we let you go? Yes. Uh, if you wish to know more about the Raleigh Street Hockey League, be sure to check us out at RaleighStreetHockey.com. It'll have all the information of the teams, each of the divisions, the standings, and statistics. It'll also give you information for our Ironman tournament and the Summer Shootout, which is our next tournament, which will occur on July 27th, 2019 at Greensboro Sportsplex. And if you wish to see any of our games, go to YouTube.com and search for Raleigh Street Hockey League. And, of course, you'll hear my beautiful voice on each of those games. And, of course, to be up to date with the latest, be sure to check out our Facebook and Twitter pages. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you again for coming on the podcast. And mm, no, I don't think you're done. No, I, I, I think I think I want more. I think 
not only do I want more, but I think our listeners deserve to hear more of Daniel Wilson, the Daniel Wilson experience, which sounds like, I don't know, a garage band from the 80s. I think we need to hear more of the Daniel Wilson experience. And so, dear listener, James and I are going to do some backroom negotiating, but you can rest assured that next week here on this very podcast, we're going to get you some more Daniel Wilson so you get the full picture of what is going on with that guy vis-a-vis his dudeness. I... I don't I I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. I apologize, Daniel. But yeah, I guess that's really the 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 long and bizarre way of saying we will have more with Daniel Wilson next week. So, you know, come back for the rest of that interview. So that being the case, you know, we're going to have to put him on hold for a whole week because we have other things to talk about. If you can believe it, there are some non-Daniel Wilson things to talk about on this podcast, and we're going to do that right now. James, what else do we have? Yeah, again, and this is uh, in honor of Mr. Neil Conway, but uh, we'll get into a little bit more of Painesville Deck Hockey and what it's all about. But in the meantime, if you're listening to this podcast in time, on June 25th, a Saturday, they are holding their Summer Sizzler, and it is 12 teams, 27 games. It's about 15 hours of deck hockey goodness and each roster is around six to nine players a piece i believe it's four on four with goalies and we'll have links to the painesville deck hockey league their website is uh, painesvilledeckhockey.com and also this is in ohio by the way and they play on a great deck surface and it's really well done well run so again the summer sizzler is going on and we hope to have Mr. Neil Conway on the podcast very soon for some reason. And as the American Rhino said, we've had an incredible streak of guests and most of it is thanks to Craig Gusman for helping us out with that. And so that's why we have to hopefully squeeze in Neil within the near future and get him on here and and tell us all about Painesville deck hockey himself. But in the meantime, there was a great article that was just printed late May by Adam Dodd and focusing on Neil Conway and his career and the birth of the Painesville Deck Hockey League. Quick question before we learn all about Neil. Is the Summer Sizzler actually being held at a Sizzler? (laughs) No, it's held at their arena in Painesville, Ohio. Quick follow up on that. Does Sizzler still exist? That's a good question. I don't know, but the Deck Hockey has definitely got that covered. Listener, if you happen to know whether the restaurant Sizzler still exists anywhere in the continental United States. I mean, or wherever. Hawaii and Alaska, I'm not going to exclude. Anywhere in the United States. Or Canada, I guess, although I don't go to Canada, so it doesn't, whatever. Anyway, if Sizzler still exists, let me know, because it will make zero difference to my life in any way, shape, or form, but I'm curious. So I could Google it, but I'd much rather ask you. So please let us know. Email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com or tweet at us at hitthedeckpod or uh, drop us a line on Facebook and, you know, let us know, please, because I think of these things and, you know, they rattle around in my brain and that's why I have you. And I'm glad you brought up Canada, too, because competing in the Summer Sizzler are teams from Canada, from Cleveland, Akron and Pittsburgh as well. This is a puck. This is your brain on puck.
Any questions? I think of that drug commercial from the 80s. You know, when you say sizzler, I think of like a hot frying pan and I think of somebody dropping a, a, a deck hockey puck in a frying pan. And I don't know what that would do to it. I mean, I guess depending on how thin the puck is, I guess it could start to melt the puck. And I don't know why you would do that in any way, shape or form. But this is how my brain works. I'm sorry. Anyway, getting back to... <laughs> I don't That's think, why we love you. I don't think I was dropped as a child. At least my mother has never copped to that. But I did almost crawl out a second story window once. So oh there's that. Jeez. Yeah. Well, my my shoes were drying on the clothesline outside that window. And my mother was distracted by my sister who was like, I was, I don't know, three and a half at this point coming up on four i guess because my sister had just been born and you know my inconsiderate sister had just distracted my mother long enough for me to completely blamelessly see these sneakers drying on the line outside and want to go out and get them (laughs) well knowing how tough you are i think you would have survived the fall but thank god you did not yeah i might have cracked the concrete and we probably would have had to pay for that and and I'm glad it runs in the family of great saves, but that's probably yeah. the greatest save. So way to go, mom. Yeah, cheers. I'm, uh, I'm, you know, I guess I owe her a bunch of stuff, but that is not the least among them. Well, yeah, you know what? You know, Mother's Day has gone, but we do love our mothers. But at the recording of this podcast, Father's Day is right around the corner, too. So I think that all works out very well. And you being a father yourself. And I love that question by your daughter, too, to uh, Daniel Wilson. So um, that that's really cool stuff as well. So it all kind of comes full circle. Yeah, my daughter had a question for Daniel Wilson, and you'll learn all about that next week. I'm going to keep you in suspense, listener. Yes, sir. So Or lady. Yes, ma'am. Yes, <laughs> yes person. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Yes, non-gender specific individual. Right. <laughs> uh. Appreciated, American Rhino. But yeah, let's get back to Painesville. Hockey is a spectrum, James. Yes, it certainly is. But Mr. Neil Conway has had an excellent career in hockey, and he's played ice hockey for the East Coast League and has even played in Europe for England and Italy. So definitely something that I admire there for uh, my roots being back in Italia. And then while he was on the road in, 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 in Europe and on the East Coast, far from where he grew up in Ohio... He was introduced to deck hockey and he was quoted as saying in this article that he fell in love with it and felt that it would be good to bring it back home with him. And that's exactly what he did. The thing that Gary and I always talk about, many things that we talk about of deck hockey, of what makes it so great, is what uh, Mr. Conway said as well. It's more or less identical to ice hockey in terms of play and rules. Obviously, it's on sneakers, as Gary came up with that great tagline, it's hockey and sneakers. And it also offers accessibility that Conway really appreciates because you take the skating out of it, if it's ice skating or roller skating, and it makes it a much, no pun intended, even playing field to play deck hockey. And that's what's so appealing about it. And what Conway was really appreciative of deck hockey is that you can be people that love the sport but couldn't skate or were afraid. Now they can play. And that's what deck hockey is all about. Hey, is it disrespectful that when you talked about him hitting the road in Europe, my brain immediately started playing the National Lampoon's theme? 
No, not at all. I think uh, European Vacation's a great movie and pokes just as much fun as us Americans as it does as any European. But yeah, hopefully there's no Clark Griswolds screwing things up for anybody in, uh, in the deck hockey surface. But um, so Neil retired at the age of 30 from playing ice hockey and then focused his attention on deck. And he actually met with officials and city council in uh, Painesville, Ohio. And that's when he pitched the opportunity to the city. And next thing you know, from uh, fast forward till a couple of years, I'd imagine, Lord knows with red tape and things that you have to get through, but he finally convinced them to sponsor or, or at least let him develop the Painesville Deck Hockey League. And it's been nothing but a great success. You think Chevy Chase has ever played deck hockey? You know, he was pretty athletic and he, that was really him playing golf in Caddyshack. So yeah, I wouldn't, I would imagine that uh, I'm not sure where he, where he grew up, where he's from, but um, having a career in New York with Saturday night live and stuff, I I'd guess that he played deck hockey. And, and also speaking of his movies, Christmas vacation, he famously wears the Blackhawks Jersey. So there you go. All right. Well, sorry. Sorry for that interruption. Uh, okay. Just was curious. <laughs> hey, hey, if you're listening out there, Mr. Chase, let us know. And thanks for listening. Yeah. So, right. So, yeah. So then they got the, uh, the all that stuff. And the fun thing, too, is that in the league, it ranges from adults to children as young as three years old. It's also co-ed, too. Initially, it was funded by Conway himself, but now they rely on registration fees. And really, the fees are minuscule comparatively. And that's just to fund the rink the land lease and other related costs. Very cost effective. Also, the younger leagues charge only $55 for a season and the adults only $75. And you get 12 sessions. You also get a dry fit t-shirt. And it's just so much more effective as in this article, Neil Conway says that if you wanted to get into ice hockey, get your child into ice hockey, it would probably cost around $500 just for their gear. And we're probably not talking goalie gear either. And then for league fees, it would probably be around $800. So you're talking right off the bat there, over $1,000 for ice hockey. When you go to deck hockey, for everything included, and even if you just worry about getting your own pair of sneakers and a stick and a helmet, the fee for the league is just $75. And, and you could get away with really good equipment. As Gary and I have given you many options to check out, please listen to past podcasts for that, where to get great equipment for the best bargains. Just a quick aside here. So they provide a dry fit t-shirt and we've heard often about these kind of leagues and tournaments and what have you providing people with dry fit t-shirts. When do people get wet fit t-shirts? Like, is that a thing? I can see that happening in seedier bars, but uh, <laughs> you know, who, who, who asks for a wet fit t-shirt? Yeah. Good point. Cause that's as, Mr. Wilson was saying, too, is playing goal that, yeah, you sweat a lot when you're playing any kind of hockey. And especially in deck hockey, if it's outdoors and it's during the warmer months, yeah, those dry fit shirts really come in handy. And they do work. Gary and I can vouch for that. But even when the only time it doesn't work effectively is when it's really humid and it's not the shirt's fault. It's just there's way too much moisture in the air and you're sweating like crazy. So there's really nowhere for 
the sweat to go. But other than that, it really makes a big difference. And that's the great thing about ice hockey and, and deck hockey equipment is the technology now. The equipment is so much more comfortable and it's better protection and it's lighter. Really, one of the things that that's so appealing about hockey is the technology that goes into it. And every year they come up with great new breakthroughs and are at the fore for sports. And then that kind of trickles down to not only sports gear, but for everyday clothing, like Under Armour, for example, they make very comfortable wicking polo shirts and stuff like that. And then in golf too, you can even get the, the pants that are designed like that, which make you comfortable and cool and, you know, undershirts and stuff of that nature as well. All right. Well, I think the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is that he's Neil Conway and you're not. All right. Anyway. All right. So, you know what? I, I know we have to get to wrapping this podcast up soon, but unfortunately, we do have a little more business yet to take care of because, as you know, if you listened to the podcast last week, right now, today, is the opening day of the World Ball Hockey Championships in Cozice. And you know that because we talked to Becky last week, Becky Dobson, who is one of the alternate captains for the Women's Team USA. We didn't mention that last week, but it is a fact. And you should know that. She's too humble to have mentioned it herself. So we're going we're gonna to put that out there for you. So we have the schedule and we will have all of the relevant game information on our social media so you can go on our Facebook page or Twitter and you can check that out. And we will direct you about, uh, you know, where and when these games are played. But, you know, that that's that's important. So follow our teams, our men and women's teams in Cozice. And we want to pull for them. But, James, I, there, there's one very important thing that has come out since the last podcast that needs to be addressed. What would that be? Well, I will tell you what that will be. And that is that the Cozy's 2019 website, which is still in only in Slovak, but, you know, Google Translate is your friend, has finally posted the background information on Pacho. Oh, boy. Yes. And I have, in fact, pulled it up for your listening pleasure. So I'm, you know, again, Google Translate is great to a point, but I don't know that I'm going to be able to do any of this justice because there are cultural and linguistic nuances that do not translate well in something like this. But I'm going to do my best here. So, okay. So apparently they approached somebody named Maria Herodek to create Pacho. And when she was approached... She did not realize that ball hockey was such a serious sport. So Pacho was basically created with very little actual practical knowledge of hockey, which explains you don't a lot. Say. Yeah. So she was a member of the puppet theater in Nitra, but she's currently retired. But the inspiration for Pacho, apparently she remembered guys who played street hockey in sneakers with a small ball and put the goals down whenever the cars went by. And so she, again, I don't 
I don't know exactly what this translates to. This is what what she uh, an exact quote or a translation of an exact quote. I got a shinter, a bandit, and a bit of a rebel who plays for the joy of the game and the movement to desire to win. Now she has the word deck in her name. Yeah, I guess so. Hero just... Hero Dekova. Okay, I thought that that would be a good instinct to work off of. So that's her explanation about Pacho, huh? Mm-hmm. And so she. Again, I'm going to I'm going to try and translate this a little bit into, you know, kind of conversational English. I'm going to try and translate her intent here as best I can. So with a smile, she imagined basically she envisioned what it would be like if shepherds a hundred years ago had hockey sticks and I guess tended (laughs) their sheep with hockey sticks and traditional garb i like there are sentences here that don't make any sense in context so i'm again i'm i'm just trying to kind of get the the uh what i think is the intent across here and so just because it's it's so funny and also slovak she dressed him in the way that she dressed him (laughs) because it was funny and also slovak um I guess his 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 shirt is kind of a traditional Slovakian garment. Uh, the hair is red, dirt piled up, put the helmet down, is a rebel. Uh, again, this is translated from, from Slovak. I like it better than any real explanation, so well done, American Rhino. They, early on in the design process, the organizers decided to eliminate animals and uh you know as as the mascot and they settled on the figure of a young boy who should be nice and slovak and then she she sketched him up and i guess they really liked him so uh he he like this this media article about pacho is really hitting home how funny he is like (laughs) i he's supposed to be ridiculous i guess he has fire in his hair, which is a characteristic of ball hockey as an explosive sport. Or maybe the color of the ball. Mm-hmm. And James, here's here. This is the best part. Okay. Yes. The article confirms that you will be able to meet Pacho at various events outside of Steel Arena and, of course, in the World Cup. And he will be available as a life-size model, a true living Pacho. Yes, uh, the American Rhino alluded to that, and we did post it on our Facebook and Twitter. If you missed it, we'll repost it because it deserves to be reposted. But that answered that question for the American Rhino, that yes, you actually can meet Pacho in person. And finally, on this topic, again, I I keep going back to this, but the translation is rough. But I'm going to say it just because it's so ridiculous that I can't not say it. So the second to last sentence here, and and what I will end with, his likeness will also be on the Steel Arena Cube in various wrestling situations, and we can predict that they are really worth it. (laughs) So, Pacho. I don't want to see that. Pacho, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy. Oh, thank you, American Rhino. Becky, watch out. (laughs) Yes, please.
and I guess that has been this week in Pacho. <laughs> Lou called it. <laughs> yeah, I I guess. Gritty, just by the way, I did check. Gritty had no comment on the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, our, I was going to say our loss. Is it really? But, you know, nothing, nothing from him on that. Hmm. I wonder if that means he was rooting for the East Coast team. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Although the Flyers and the uh, Blues came in the league together, right? 1967, I believe both of them were part of that expansion. Well, all right. I'm, hey, I'm not going to try and figure out Gritty, but uh, he said it himself with no comment. All right. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, that, that's, that's going to – we're long overdue. That's going to do it. Last minute remaining in the podcast. Okay. Oh, my. This has been quite a show, quite a show, and I think we're all ready to end this. So that being the case, first and foremost, above all else, we want to thank Daniel Wilson for being our guest here on the podcast this week. Thank you, Daniel. It was time well spent for us, I hope for you, and certainly, almost certainly for the listener. So thank you for joining us. We hope you will join us again next week. And thank you, listener, for listening to us because, you know, this is why we do it. This is this is what it's all about. So thank you for being here for us, with us, every week here on Hit the Deck. We sincerely appreciate it. Thank you to Anthony Sejazi for providing us with music. And, uh, of course, if you have anything that you'd like to feed back on us, I don't know what that means. If you have anything you'd like to tell us or offer us in any way, please feel free to email us at hitthedeck at gmail.com. If you want to tweet at us, we are Hit the Deck Pod. We are Hit the Deck on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, we have that YouTube channel. So, you know, go over there and, and check that out while you're checking out the RSHL YouTube channel, which has all of Daniel Wilson's great work. And you definitely should check that out because... It's 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 worth your time. It's definitely worth your time while you're doing all that. Subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss any of the podcasts going forward, especially next week when we continue our conversation with Daniel Wilson, because I have a feeling that's going to be just as good as this week and if not better. And you are not going to want to miss that. So, James, is there anything you would care to add here at the end of this marathon podcast? Yeah, I'll try and make a quick thank you. First off, very happy Father's Day to you and all the dads out there. Uh, Also, if you're looking to play deck, please check out that Raleigh Street Hockey League. You can check out the VAR Hockey League, the Charlotte Street Hockey League, Columbus Deck Hockey Association, of course, Painesville Deck Hockey. And also, if you're in the area in Ohio, check out the Summer Sizzler. And uh, go Team USA, both men and women in the ISBHF 2019 World Champs. Thank you, James. Thank you, sir. Yes, and it is a pod well spent, I think. In my humble opinion, I am H.O., but since it is, in fact, at an end, then it is incumbent upon me to leave you, dear listener, with this thought. And that is namely, whether you are hunkered down between the pipes or calling the action end to end, whether you are bringing an international flavor to the hockey community or the brainchild of a confused puppeteer, Regardless of what you find yourself doing, I would always encourage you to remember it's deck hockey. Don't be that guy. Thanks, everybody. My daughter just walked through the living room. Yeah, the real hard-hitting questions come from Gary's daughter. We try and be a little bit more polite. (laughs) She's going to be fine for your job. She's got the itch. I volunteered to step down.